Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. Welcome everyone to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today I have a guest. It's the first guest I think we have for the second time on our show. So it's Robert, uh, Robert Anders, who is VP Sales Services at Kamansky. Robert, welcome to the show. Hi again, Thibault. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm very happy to be here again. What yeah, an honor so. to be the first person to be here the second time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a first. So that's that's great. So let me tell you a bit, tell a bit more about you. So we met. Uh, it was like uh, a while ago. I think it was in 2019 uh, in December into a thing called Sales Masters. So it was an in-person event, and I remember really liking you. You were like super friendly and, and super cool. And, uh, you know, we, we got to actually uh, go chat and, 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 you know, like interact in there. And basically you've been in sales in Germany for quite a while. So if I look at your LinkedIn profile, I see you worked, uh, you know, like a lot in travel. You worked at Groupon. Then you were a co-founder, director of sales at Travel Circus. Then you worked at Service yeah. Partner One, then Comtravo. And uh, so all some kind of like a company or a travel companies or related to travel or service companies. And yeah. uh, since a few uh, months, like almost a year now, you're working as VP of sales services at Kremonsky and you're advising in tons of companies in Germany. <laughs> so uh, one question, how do you get like an advisor role? Like, for example, your strategic advisor at Demodesk, how do you get that? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, I was one of the early um, customers of Demodesk, mm-hmm. one of the first, and I was giving them very proactively product feedback as I wanted this uh, to uh, yeah, improve. And uh, I liked the founders a lot. And then after a while, they came to me and said, hey, Robert, you're giving quite some valuable feedback. Um, and we really could think of involving you more into our company, into the product roadmap and how to do sales. And then they just asked me um, if I can... Um, uh, yeah, support on an advisor role. Mm-hmm. So in the end, just being an, an annoying customer <laughs> can help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something I'm seeing right now with a, a company also. I'm providing a lot of feedback. I really like what they're doing. And we're talking about something strategy, like strategic advisory. So I don't know what we'll see, like what, what's the gig, but uh, that, that's, that's very interesting being proactive, using the product a lot and giving feedback. I think founders really yeah. like that. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So tell me more about you. Tell us more uh, for those who don't hear, didn't hear about you. Who are you? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, as you already said, I'm. What I really can say about me, I'm a, I'm a 
truly a salesperson. So I've been working my whole life in sales and I like, um, I still like this very much. And now on top of this, um, I yeah implemented a part, not only doing sales and leading sales teams, but thinking more the bigger picture, um, consulting and understanding more uh, the whole processes, uh, not only in sales, but in whole revenue generating departments. So, um, yeah, so developed definitely here uh, from a pure salesperson into a more entrepreneurial, holistic um, leader in person. And I think mm-hmm. this, um, yeah, defined m- me and my journey during the last years a lot. Okay. Okay. Great. And so, so um, yeah, you, you've you've quite a solid experience in sales. You, you've kind of worked in many different shops, as you said, as individual contributor, then as a manager, mm-hmm. now into very strategic role. Um, so we're going to talk about the the state of the union of sales in Germany. So you're basically the Barack Obama of sales in Germany. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a long shot, but uh, that's the same thing. So we're going to get your experience on what is going on in Germany. So. Um, can you tell me, like, maybe if we think about recruiting, for example, can you tell yeah. me what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So very quickly, just to give some perspective here, uh, at Kremansky, we are um, consulting and supporting uh, mostly tech companies, not always, but mostly tech companies on very different levels. Yeah, We do um, CRM implementation like Salesforce. Uh, we do consulting, training coaching, revenue operations, and, and so on. So therefore, we have touch points um, with many different companies on very different levels um, if it comes to sales or revenue generation. And therefore, yeah, we have quite a good picture um, of yeah, different companies and different stages. Um, and yeah, I hope I can share some insights and some valuable um, learnings we did mm-hmm. regarding this. Yeah? And uh, now concrete to a question of recruiting, yeah, especially during the pandemic, it really went crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. So the salary salaries raised like never before, in my perspective. Mm, people are able to yeah, ask for much more. Mm-hmm. So we see even people with no experience in sales, they already start with 36 to 40K uh, base salary mm-hmm. already, which especially in Berlin was not thinkable uh, four or five years ago uh, and especially if it comes to SaaS. Yeah? So if you have any SaaS experience, um, your chances in the market are very easy to get a new job. So people can ask much more and um, uh, startups or tech companies that are, if they do SaaS, they want SaaS people, right? And mm-hmm. this is of, of course already defining the problem here that especially in Germany, there are not that many people who have really years of experience in SaaS yeah. and therefore the market is very uh, competitive here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd be curious on that. So SaaS or search is not really a, a tough sell. Like very often it's it's quite simple to sell software as a service. I mean, you're selling subscription obviously, but it's very small tickets and everything. So why is it so valuable to have this experience in sales, in your opinion? Yeah, I disagree here as well. So I think if you have other skills that are more important than the SaaS experience, uh, you should always go with the person mm-hmm. with non-SaaS experience if, if it comes to curiosity, if it comes to uh, great communication skills in general, yeah, um, mm-hmm. verbally and non-verbally, if it comes to project management um, and so on. yeah. So this is yeah. active listening, all these communication skills. It's much more important. And um, I think this is just the, the idea of the founders or the people sales mm-hmm. is like, a, it's like de-risking, yeah? Yeah. thinking, okay, 
if, if it's already done that very similar then my yeah. risk is lower that this person doesn't perform mm. but especially now if the market is so competitive with those people there is no other chance yeah um, than helping people becoming SaaS experts yeah. um, if they have the basic skills in terms of communication and so on no? okay yeah i think that yeah i totally agree on, on, on that on, on that with you i think it's uh, the, the keyword like uh, back in the time there was for example blockchain when blockchain started like appearing when you put like blockchain in front of your name the number of a company everyone yeah. was like oh my god blockchain expert and yeah. no one had a clue what about what it was so it's kind of we could call that SaaS washing you know so that would be uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah exactly that, yeah so that that's exactly. very interesting and so so the, like the, the pressure on hiring is high everywhere, especially in tech. There's like uh, huge demands for that. And Germany is, is extremely challenging. Like everyone I talk about, they're always asking me, oh, do you have some people you know? Do you have some people you know? So um, what, I think where everybody you... who listens here. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Now, as I said, I wanted to say everybody who's listening here probably is looking for salespeople. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and everybody knows this inbox on LinkedIn, uh, how many requests you get per week uh, on, on a new job. So um, what we realized here as well is that it's, uh, it became much more important to become better and more creative in terms of recruiting. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So this mass approach by LinkedIn, just shooting people, uh, this automated mass messages um, doesn't work. Um, yeah. Doesn't work. Huh? Yes. And what we see here is performance recruiting is a new thing. Um, so you have to use Facebook, Instagram, and so on, and do um, uh, yeah, can, can, can performance recruiting on the one hand, uh, and combine this together with video recruiting um, or another very personalized approach. Mm -hmm. um, this this is the, the new way to go, and uh, this old yeah. school uh, thing, which is still in the heads, uh, I think in Germany, like Stepstone, Monster, yeah. all these uh, websites, this completely uh, died for, for this kind of yeah. uh, job searches. Yeah. Well, well, let me let me take, give you like a controversial, a controversial statement. For me, I, I kind of start to, to think that the, the, um, the employment, traditional employment is old fashioned and actually is something that is not like not really addressing what people want to do now like you and i are like a very per perfect example we left our company that we know, we know we had very good careers where we had like trajectory to become vps or whatever and we say yeah we don't want to do that we don't we want to be more independent like have more meaning do our own stuff and now we, we are doing like our own stuff so um what you know like don't you think just hiring SDRs as employees who will work full-time for you is basically the wrong answer to the problem we have. Mm, that's a very interesting point. So what I definitely see, so I could agree with you, is that if you are successful in what you're doing, then after 5, 10, or 15 years, it depends, <laughs> um, you can grow out of, out mm -hmm. of this uh, employment situation. Um, being an expert, having this... Um, yeah, expertise is then, of course, a clear way to go. Yeah? Mm -hmm. If you are more a junior or mid-level person, I definitely think they want the security to have a fixed income yeah. uh, and can rely on this yeah, situation of, of this, on, on this employer. Um, but what I definitely uh, see is that they have much more requests than five years ago. So yeah. you know, if it comes to four days work week or working completely remotely or... Um, you know, defining more your own day and your own week, what you want to work on, which projects you want to take. So you have to be more flexible. Yeah. Um, and this is some kind of, I would say it's like a semi um, 
independence work, you know, so they, yeah. they still are employed, but they want to be treated more like an entrepreneur, maybe yeah. you could say. And yeah, this yeah. is what I definitely see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. It's it's just very interesting. And uh, I was discussing like this weekend, and I think a lot of people, what they want is more time, not so much more money. I mean, they, they would love, everyone's always happy to have more money, but what matters for a lot of people now is time, flexibility yeah. to... Uh, to kind of build your 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 work around your life and not your life yeah. around your work, and so I think that's often like a, a, that's kind of a, a huge upgrade employers need to have, especially in countries like Germany, um, because I think that's what people want: more flexibility in time in what they do, and uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's what this is definitely. Want. And this is definitely where COVID helped a lot, changing the culture in the companies. Mm -hmm. yeah? So uh, it's completely normal now to go in winter times to Spain or wherever yeah. um, to work from there um, and to do the same job. And uh, especially in sales, it's so easy to do it because you can still see the dashboards and the numbers. Yeah. Uh, there's no no way to to hide. Yeah? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, I have a question for you. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, if you don't know the answer, it's okay, but uh, I need your help. There's a thing called revenue <laughs> operations that, that have started popping since a few months. I have no clue what it is about. So I didn't take, I mean, I could Google it or whatever, but do you know what revenue ops is and, and what's the concept behind all of that? <laughs> I like the question. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it seems like an American thing, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> and which is popping up now in Germany as well. So people are definitely, uh, yeah, getting up to speed here and, com and compared to to the US. Um, so in the end, revenue operations is building the architecture for success. I would define it like that. So um, if if it comes to if you want to get more into detail, um, it's about intelligence. It's about excellent processes mm -hmm. it's about forecasting and then the pipeline uh, management uh, it's it's about automation so there are many different things yeah. uh, coming to that and uh, more and more slowly but steady it's developing here in Germany as well okay yeah but there is definitely some room to uh, to to, uh, to grow yeah. um, and there are still many companies who treat their sales ops or revenue operations person more like a jack of all trades yeah. so you just put everything we have in terms of projects or tasks which we don't want the salesperson to do, uh, just put it there. And yeah. Um, yeah, we hope that this person solves this. But yeah, okay. it's not the way to Yeah, go. I feel like for a lot of companies, it's also the latest buzzword that's pretty cool about uh, sales. I'm always afraid yeah. of one thing is now I start talking to a lot of people who are, you know, you have a VP. Like the, the problem I see is that we have this kind of professionalization of sales of like the structure where, I love to compare it with Formula One where maybe 20, 30 years ago, you were winning as a team if you had a good driver and a good car, basically. So good product, good sales guy or saleswoman. And now you have like so many more teams, data and whatever. And I think we are into the, it's going to go really great to go into a really good direction where we're going to look for performance, find performance. But now it feels this stage where you talk to someone, you know, VP of sales has a problem. They need to train their reps. They talk to you and then they make you talk to the sales enablement people. And for me, like with sales enablement, I'm sorry if people in sales enablement are listening to me, but it sounds a lot like the accountant, you know, where they're like, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. We have to see the numbers. And it's just like making my life so complicated because you, you mm -hmm. can't just go and, and, and have this kind of very, like not old fashioned, but way that is very kind of based on relationship to sell, you have to show data. So I think it's, a good, it's good in a sense, but it's also like often like preventing sales team from having access to knowledge quickly. 
What do you think of that as a trainer on yourself? I say you're also training people. Yeah. So, what what is your what is your idea about this? So, do you think the data is not um, accurate enough, or where is the processes not? No, I, I think or? I think it's really great that you go and, for example, if you invest fifty thousand euro in the training, you you want to see yeah. what's the return. You you want to be able to uh, outside mm. of gut feeling say, okay, that works. And the thing is, it makes yeah, our awesome. life more complicated when we're selling training or whatever because sales enablement they have a vision where they have a bunch of KPIs that are just very. Uh, you know, like they will check, okay, how many people consumed 60% of the uh, content online or whatever. So these are metrics that are just a bit uh, yeah. uh, hard to track or not hard to yeah. track, but just sound very secondary. And I think I have, we're having a lot of conversations that are not super important basically around that. Yeah, I see. So yeah, I think uh, there are many things I could say to that. Let me think how I start. So I think revenue operations is the base here, yeah? it's, it's a mm -hmm. starting point. So you have to have clear processes, you have to have a clear ICP, buyer persona, sales process, and then put, um, and, and then your CRM system has to be aligned to this, yeah? mm -hmm. be it HubSpot, Salesforce, doesn't matter. By the way, I think this is already quite good in Germany, so the people understood that they have to have a good CRM system. Yeah. This is not too different to the US, I guess. Um, and then if it comes then really to very good data points, especially in the um, upper funnel, yeah? revenue attribution, you understand mm -hmm. where which campaigns you did and where the leads came from, how, how much did a lead cost me for this specific channel or campaign. And then actually, if you have this kind of clarity of, um, with, with, on, the, on these data points, then it's easy to define an enablement strategy and to say, okay, we have this problem here. Um, our call to demo conversion rate is bad for inbound leads mm -hmm. uh, or we see a big gap between the best performer and the, and the mid performer mm -hmm. here we need somebody who is, has an idea and has a concept on how to make this better and then we can measure in the end if we have this, this clear um, yeah, topic to work on if this training was successful or not mm -hmm. so I think it has to come from the, from the data points and then seeing the biggest potential where is, is it more Up, uh, upper funnel or lower funnel mm -hmm. and then you can put resources into this um, and then it's easier to measure as well so mm -hmm. definitely think both is important and not to be mixed up so it has to be different departments it has to yeah. be different persons who are dealing with this um, so that they really can focus on and use their specific strength and skills yeah okay okay i see and so so talking about like the the state of sales enablement now we are we're talking about that so What do you see? What do you think? Where are we standing right now in Germany? Mm -hmm. um, what I see is that older companies, are like more mid-market companies, they are still much more focused on skills and, and especially motivational topic or mm -hmm. team building topics and conflict management and these kind of things if they already are in the business for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and the newer um, the companies, the typical Series A startups, they want really focus on automation on better tools on uh, on frameworks and playbooks and all these kind of things yeah so it's definitely a huge difference on the request companies have depending on their um, on their age and i think personally um as i already said it, for both um, situations it it has to start with data and then um what i'm missing often is 
a long-term strategy. So yeah. what I really would urge many companies to do in terms of when it comes to enablement is thinking in 12 months plans and thinking on how do we, how can we constantly improve the most important conversion rates and most important skills um, with our sales team and how we can make sure that there's constant learning and development for everyone. Not only a two days shaka shaka sales training and then yeah. afterwards, uh, 10 days later, they forgot everything again. Um, so there I see the biggest potential uh, and the biggest gap to the U.S. as well. The, of course, the big SaaS companies, they already have like big enablement teams who have big academies uh, who take care of this. And mm -hmm. this is what we are often still missing here in the tech scene in, in Germany, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think the for me, like one thing I, I, I found very interesting in the way we, we now work and live is that... Uh, Taking 20 people, 20 reps, and putting them into a boardroom with a sales trainer for two days is yeah. just the exception now. And, uh, and, and it's not really like uh, I've attended a bunch of training. There was one that was really transformational like that, but most of them were not. And uh, yeah. even the transformational one, I forgot like a lot of the things without reinforcement. So I had to go yeah. through that. And, and yeah. it's just really challenging to reinforce yourself. And so I think like the, uh, yeah. as adults, we're not like kids where kids, they're sponges. They just learn everything really easily. And uh, I think as adults, we need this kind of reinforcement and to take small things. And one thing I found is that when I started my career, I remember seeing the, the business world as something very complicated, you know, where mm -hmm. there's like a bunch of things and words and, and everything's just like, you know, like the people who work there are masters and they understand everything. And what you realize is that adults actually, the more buzzwords they use, the less they understand. So they kind of hide mm -hmm. behind this jargon. And actually as adults, one thing we love is when things are broken down into very simple, very simple recipes and steps. And so I think mm -hmm. that's uh, in training, that's what is changing from, uh, yeah, you have to be like uh, charismatic, smile, and then big, give a big handshake. And people are more like, okay, now how do you get the attention of a prospect on LinkedIn using a LinkedIn voice note and a video? How do you, what do you say in the voice note? What do you say in the video? And I think that's, that's been super nice for that because the tools we have and the, the asynchronous learning pace we can actually provide, the experience we can provide in training is so much better mm -hmm. for the needs we have as adults. So what do you what are yeah. your thoughts about training as such? Yeah, what, what I like really uh, your trainings as well is that it's very um, hands-on. Yeah, so it's easy, it's um, it's detailed, and I can easy adopt this into my daily work. Yeah? And I think it's very important. Um, so uh, yeah, being able to really use this the next day if, if you if you learn that. Yeah? And I think um, yeah, there's sometimes a gap. Um, from the theoretical training approach in the, in the workshop room, then to the next day, uh, really using this. And uh, therefore there's definitely some potential. And I think it's, but I think it's a cultural thing as well, but especially Berlin still has to develop a bit because of course we come from this rocket internet background, many mm -hmm. B2C companies, it was more um, hard, hardcore sales, yeah, with many yeah. calls and uh, not that data-driven, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, for example, you see now Munich as, an, as a counterpart, where of course they have much more this engineering background with all these big automotive companies over there and so on. Uh, I see much more um, already a um, yeah more engineering uh, approach, mm -hmm. uh, and, and therefore more clearer. Um, requirements they have uh, yeah. to our to us, for example, as Kamanski as well. When it comes to training, they know much better already what they want to improve and and uh, yeah, how to 
um, they're willing to invest more as well mm -hmm. because that understands uh, yeah one very important uh, recipe um, to constantly uh, improve yeah. when it yeah, you know because this comes from the more from the DNA um, compared to Berlin mm -hmm. so that's that's what I get. definitely can see mm. yeah in general yeah as I think we already said that right it's it's, it's about sustainability uh, so only having trainings doesn't work anymore people don't want us anymore they need a concept. Uh, where maybe from the training there's coachings, individual coachings coming afterwards so you really can talk on an individual basis to really help them do successful change management mm -hmm. and this is what all what defines X in, in the end and successful training did I was I able to change the behavior um, of a person uh, yeah. on a long-term basis and mm -hmm. therefore yeah it comes to asynchronous learning digital learning um, possibilities it comes to individual coaching sessions um and just some frameworks to always keep reminding and keep repeating yeah. things so that it really become a new habit becomes a new habit and this definitely got harder um as we all mm -hmm. are have the zoom fatigue as we all have so much um input to digest uh, and therefore yeah it has to be even better training mm -hmm. concepts so that we can still um yeah reach the people yeah exactly and so so now if you talk about sales ops sales operations so uh where are we standing in germany yeah as i said sometimes it's uh this jack of all trades topic is i think it was 15 years ago and uh, in the u.s was the same so we still have some years <laughs> uh so some years behind um in general i think sales operations has already become more uh, aware uh, in many companies. What I'm still missing is revenue operations uh, and especially the other two parts of RevOps, which is then of course marketing operations mm -hmm. and customer success operations. Then yeah. This is still missing. And this alignment of all these departments, marketing and customer success and sales, this is still uh, something where many companies struggle and there are not that many role models here as well. Yeah. Um, of course, you have some, um, yeah, strong companies which just got sold like Adjust or um, Signavio, for yeah. example. Yeah, they, they, I think they did a really good job at this, as far as I can tell. Um, but this is just it's still exceptions. Yeah, mm -hmm. the average Series A, B, C company is still struggling, really aligning these um, departments. Um, and I think this is the biggest challenge right now for the next one two years um, to get this going. Yeah, if it mm -hmm. just comes to sales ops, I think we already. Um, yeah, are much uh, uh, further. Um, companies understand that they have to invest into uh, maybe like a one to 10 ratio, I always mm -hmm. recommend. Yeah? So if you have 20 sales reps, you at least have to have two to three um, sales ops persons. Um, they have to invest into making salespeople more efficient, uh, having making it easier for them to work in their tools, having more automation. So this is getting better. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Again, alignment with the other departments. This is so big gap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you agree? It, Do you see the same? Or? I think yeah. like uh, marketing and sales alignment is always a problem everywhere all the time. And then we don't even yeah. talk about it. But sales and CS alignment is also a huge issue. So, for example, who owns the upsell? You know, in customer success or like. Who owns the upsell, and uh, how do you get your customer success teams to understand what's an opportunity? So, I mean, we always fight about what is an FK, an MQL, what is an SQL, what is an opportunity. As salespeople, we can't even find, we like uh, agree on what is really an opportunity. So, how can we get CS to 
to find like an opportunity. So I think the, these things are, are quite challenging and data can help us with some kind of probability models, uh, help these kind of things. But overall, it's uh, one big thing I think is lacking overall in, in the whole kind of revenue organization is the understanding of what business is about or what people, you know, what drives people to make changes and purchase stuff. And uh, yeah. very often we are focused on our small metric. How many book meetings do, do I need to book? How many MQLs do I need to generate? And uh, we associate value or MQLs with an ebook download or whatever. But the thing is, if someone downloads an ebook, what is the ebook about? What is the problem you're yeah. talking about? And then how can you nurture this problem, get people to really self-qualify in that case, and then serve like a super hot lead? And then make sure that the process are good. So the reps is not actually just, uh, you know, waiting for two days while the, the lead needs mm -hmm. some data right now. So I think it's it's a, a whole thing. But the, if we understood, like, what is business really about and why is my lead who is going to become an MQL, then an SQL, then an up, then a customer, and then renew? Why is this person or this organization coming to us? What are they trying to solve? And very often we just forget about that. It's humans trying to solve problems but how the humans are delivering through a service or a, a solution. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to add to this that if I just think about the typical companies, sales teams with 10 to 50 people, there's always this silo, the silos mm -hmm. there. You have a CMO yeah. or VP marketing, CSO, VP sales. And of course, they fight against each other sometimes. They yeah. fight for resources. They try to reach their own goals um, If, you know, first, and then mm -hmm. only think maybe think second about the, the big company goals, and therefore I think again revenue operations is so important because they they adopt the description to think about the whole revenue mm -hmm. architecture yeah. and yeah. the whole revenue generating process. Yeah, and if you really have a strong person in place who's thinking the whole journey, the whole customer journey, um, from the first contact until the until the upsell and cross sell situations, um, then you really have potential to. Uh, get much more successful and efficient in your processes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But anyway, it's, it's really passionate. Like, uh, uh, it, it, it's really super interesting to see how these things are evolving. Um, also, for me, the main transformation is, is uh, I remember when I was working at Applause, uh, we, we had this conversation all the time where it was, should someone who's selling in France go and, uh, and, and live in Paris? for example. And uh, at the time, Salesforce had an office. I'm sure they still have it. And it was the ent French enterprise office in Paris into like very rich area where all the the uh, the kind of, uh, how you call that, the kind of main offices are. And basically it was like, you need to be there to shake hands and be the kind of networks and everything. And now what you see is that the networks, physical networks actually don't exist anymore or are really like people just don't really want to meet. And so you realize that if you want to sell in France, you need to speak French. That's it. You know, you can be located anywhere. If you're selling to people who hang out online and work online, you just need to actually have an connect, internet connection to do Zoom calls. And so that, I think that, that that's like an amazing kind of opportunity. It's also an amazing opportunity for uh, not taking a plane every week to go and shake some hands because that's dumb. Really, that's super stupid. So uh, you can, you know, you can do it like once in a while, but like just going and taking planes all the time just to shake hands is just just makes no sense. So I think that's very interesting what happened there, and how basically living online, doing more stuff online, feeds more data into the system. Yeah, and maybe in addition to that, people, customers they have on 
completely different requirements compared to 10 years ago. Yeah, of course, they wanted this trust and this personal relationship uh, a while ago. But right now, what I see, what they really want is project management, change management. Yeah, you have to help the customers um, doing the right decisions, having the right data points, uh, creating this whole change process uh, as efficient and, yeah, as, as, as possible yeah and therefore it's much better to work on a computer and not mm -hmm. travel all day and, and sending out uh, concepts and maybe even excel files where you have an roi calculation and all these kinds mm -hmm. of things this is much more important and therefore yeah it's, these skills um, has to be on the forefront um, of our training and yeah. uh, development programs and not how to convince somebody in a room uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, exactly so. So Robert, any any last observation words? Uh, tell me more about like what do you yeah. Do you have any any last thing to 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 talk about in uh, about the state of uh, the union in Germany? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I would say to sum summarize, we are Germany is speeding up. So we I think we're getting closer to the US uh, compared to some years ago. Um, we still have to invest into more. Uh, long-term uh, processes and to um, the holistic uh, alignment of all the departments. Mm -hmm. um, and if we, if we succeed here, then I see a very bright future for the German market and for companies developing here. Uh, because if you see venture capital, uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely raised a lot. So mm -hmm. the, the money is there um, and the willingness to invest into to create big companies here is, is definitely there. So um, it just comes maybe to slightly better execution on these kind, these kind of things we just discussed. And then, yeah, I definitely see that there will be much more unicorns to see as we already had in the last years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, we sometimes forget it's the first economy of Europe and uh, yeah. the people happen to speak a very tough language to learn. So it makes it very hard and hard, like, uh, close to, to a lot of, of uh, it's closed for companies that don't just speak English, but it's, uh, it's just a very interesting market and a lot of good things happening. So yeah, um, yeah thanks. Thanks a lot, Robert, for, for, for coming on the show. Do you have any last word, anything you want to talk about? I think it's fine. Okay, cool. So it's really great to have you uh, in there, Robert, and see you soon. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up.